Deshaun Watson officially introduced how his first appearance as Cleveland Browns quarterback went, and a signal caller skyrockets our latest mock draft, which prospect and how high did he climb? And can the Chiefs offense actually be better without Tyreek Hill? And is it officially a rebuild for the Atlanta Falcons? All that and more on today's episode of the Locked On NFL Podcast. You are Locked On NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fired up. Welcome into another episode of the Locked On NFL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Monday, so you've got me, Bo Brock, for one last episode, joined by local experts on the biggest stories around the NFL. Thanks for making the Locked On NFL Podcast your first listen of the day, we're free and available on all platforms. Today's episode brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. We're officially a month out. As of today, we're a month out from the first round of the NFL draft, April 28th. It's going to be here before you know it, but you still have a lot to learn. And on the Lockdown NFL Draft podcast, they're going to catch you up to speed. Eric Crocker, Ryan Tracy, and it's a mock draft Monday. That's why I bring in my guy, Big Crocky, because he is just valuable as far as the insight he provides. He played the game at the NFL level. He knows what he's looking for as far as scouting. And his latest mock draft is out. We're going to discuss it right now. Crocky, I'm, I'm looking at it. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago when I had you on the podcast it was Evan Neal, the uh, Bama tackle as the top spot. You switched, you pivoted, you went with the uh, with the pass rusher out of Michigan, Aiden Hutchinson. What has Hutchinson done between now or between then and now to kind of grab that top spot for the Jags? Well, nothing, nothing really for me, but I think you know yeah. just things that you're hearing and what the Jaguars are kind of prioritizing. You know, they they brought back or franchise tag. Uh, their left tackle. So we'll see what kind of, you know, keep an eye on that. They lock him up long-term right tackle. Doesn't seem to be as much of a need as an edge rusher. And a lot of some of the, you know, people I talk to talk to around the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, people that cover them, fans, everyone's saying the defense was atrocious. That's an area where they strongly need to improve. So uh, with, from everything I'm hearing, the guy for them is Aiden Hutchinson and uh, not the biggest, like freakish, guy yeah. coming off of the edge but maybe the most well-rounded in the sense of you know some of the the top pure edge four three rushers yeah certainly polished as far as his pass rush skills and his technique and he showed up and showed out against ohio state big game there three sacks showed it on tape and he was decent at the combine but what really sets him aside from a cave on thibodeau you know i i think just a little bit more well-rounded. Thibodeau, mm-hmm. he's a guy who is like your legit, you know, 3-4 outside backer. Definitely has pass rushing ability. I mean, he's a freak off the edge. You know, he has obviously that good speed, that good bend. I, I actually like him more than Thibodeau. But it seems like, you know, the rest of the NFL, they're just a little bit higher on uh, Hutchinson. All right. So, but yeah, when you look at, you know, Thibodeau. And I said, I like him more than Thibodeau. I mean, I like Thibodeau more than Hutchinson. Yeah. But, you know, I like the high upside, the freakish ability off the edge, you know, and a lot of what he's done is kind of living off of the pure athleticism. The, 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 the sky is, you know what I'm saying, the ceiling for him. I mean, he's just going to yeah. keep going up. I think the biggest question marks with uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, 
as you know, guys continue to kind of dive into who he is, he made some interesting remarks. Uh, I believe it was the week of the championship game, and he talked about not going to Alabama because they were all about football. Well, these NFL owners and coaches, if they're going to be investing, you know, $30, $40 million guaranteed into you, they're going to want you to be all about football. And and down the line, okay, if you're interested in other things, great. But they want that return on their investment. The ability is there, but I think people are kind of questioning, is he all about football? I'm pretty sure they found out a lot about that at the uh, NFL Combine. Now, uh, your number two overall pick in today's Mock Draft Monday, and I highly encourage you checking it out and listening to today's episode of Locked On NFL Draft, uh, the quarterback, the guy who's been the darling of the draft process, his senior bowl, his his combine performance, his pro day, all of it, Malik Willis, Liberty, put on a show, and he's he's certainly, it's paying off because you've got the Detroit Lions taking Malik Willis number two. Now, I thought, that there was a chance that a quarterback, maybe two, could sneak into the top 10 and never envision getting as high as two. What's your thought process behind Malik Willis earning that second overall spot? Definitely high. Definitely high. You know, this happens every year where quarterbacks start to creep up. You start to look at the class, where guys might go. You start off a little bit higher, you know, depending on the class, especially this one. I mean, at the start of it, people were thinking there might not even be a first-round quarterback in this class. Now we're talking about a quarterback going number two overall. But with Malik, with, uh, Malik Willis, a lot of it's, it's, it's the upside. It's the ability. It's the playmaking ability. You know, a lot of NFL teams are kind of going towards guys that can play off script because of guys like Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, who are really able to get after the quarterback. Malik Willis has really high upside when it comes to, like, the ball coming out of his hands. He throws with power. Now it's just – can he be a little bit more consistent? Because when he played against teams like Ole Miss, it was a little, you know, just a little alarming, right? We mm-hmm. all we all know that he's a transfer from Auburn. He's a guy who started at Auburn, uh, wasn't able to beat out Bo Nix, transfers to Liberty. Obviously, he excels. But, you know, I think there's still kind of like a, an unwritten uh, chapter when it comes to him and what exactly he is. But he's blown away the senior bowl process, the combine process, and then now, you know, the pro day process where you know he's showing all the intangibles that these teams want on top of the ability i think that might be enough to get him up there to number two to a team like the detroit lions who you know they're they're not necessarily sold on jared goff and what they have from him they gotta figure out a way to improve on that and get better and i think malik willis not having to rush in and play right away can kind of sit develop and as the team around him gets better, he gets better as well. I think that's the ideal situation for him and Detroit Lions moving forward. Yeah, as far as fit in Detroit, and, and do you think that they have the offensive infrastructure to maybe make a guy who played at Liberty for the Flames, not top-tier talent he was facing on every Saturday, like could it you know turn out to where they've got Amon Ross St. Brown at the wide receiver spot? They got Penny Sewell, the first-round pick from last year, DeAndre Swift. TJ Hawkinson, some decent pieces, but is it enough to make a guy who's got some question marks surrounding him, you know, not develop some bad habits because it the Lions weren't ready to draft a quarterback just yet? Yeah, you know, I think they're 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 adding the pieces right now. And mm-hmm. by the time he's like ready, ready, like to really be comfortable, that would be next year. I think they will continue okay. to take the steps in the right direction. You know, Coach Campbell did an amazing job of really kind of, you know, pushing the culture of what the Lions were going to be. And we saw that, like, those guys were fighters, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think if there's an area that they need, really need to improve, and they probably might do it, draft a defense alignment in this class. Like, they need defense. They need to improve there. 
And I think that'll help slow things down for the offense and maybe not have to force things as much and, you know, play a little bit more comfortable style and be able to rely on their running backs that they have, you know, like Williams and like yeah. Swift, like you mentioned. If they can get to that, then I think they got something going, especially with a young, talented Malik Willis. So I like what they're doing, but they definitely yeah. have to continue to kind of build that defense to take steps in the right direction. We're nearing the end of the interview. I've only gotten to two picks as far as this mock draft's concerned because it's so fascinating. you got to check it out. And like I said, they're going to go in-depth on today's uh, Locked On NFL Draft. As far as the rest of the first round, and you can check it out, of course, uh, we'll have a we'll have a link on, at Locked On Networks. And, of course, I'm sure uh, Crocky will pick, put, put it out there, Eric underscore Crocker. First round pick beyond like the top five that, that you've just fallen in love with that, that you absolutely love. And as far as the best fit for it that you made in your most recent mock draft, anything that, that, that you just absolutely love that you picked? Yeah. You know, I think it was, uh, and this might be surprising to a lot of people, but Jameson Williams had him mm-hmm. going to the uh, Washington commanders at pick 11. And I mean, his ability, and I know people are going to be worried about the, the, the ACL, and him coming off of that. But he's just electrifying. I mean, he plays every bit as fast as whatever 40 people think he was going to run. A lot of people think low four twos. I think he plays that fast. I was watching all 22 of him uh, just what, a couple of days ago. And you just see him outrun uh, a bracket coverage with two defenders over the top. And he splits both guys, get behind them, catch the ball, and then run away from them. Run them out of form. That's how you know when somebody's really fast. When you start seeing them kind of lose their form because they're trying so hard to keep up. I mean, he's just a tremendous athlete. Uh, he can catch a slant and outrun an entire defense. I mean, he, you know, puts his foot in the ground, works back to the ball extremely well. The hands, the, he can improve on those a little bit. But, I mean, I'll take a drop here and there with yeah. everything else that he builds. And I have him going – you know, number the first receiver taken off the board. A lot of people they're gonna question that, but I think he's the, to, in my opinion, the wide receiver one in this class, regardless of an ACL injury. It, it really would be fascinating just to see how that plays out. But then you've got like an onslaught of wide receivers going between then and the rest of the first round. Drake London at fifteen, the Philly. They finally want to hit on a wide receiver in the first. Well, they hit last year. I apologize. They made yeah. the trade for the Heisman Trophy winner, but that would be a nice compliment. But I love what you did with the Commanders because if you get him with Scary Terry and that offense, Carson Wentz, right. uh, things are looking pretty good as far as the rebrand in Washington. As I said, check it out. Locked on NFL Draft. Eric Crocker, Ryan Tracy. Crocky, always fun to catch up with you, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. So the massive deal went down. Another one this offseason. Tyreek Hill headed to South Beach. He's now a member of the Miami Dolphins. And in turn, a ton of draft capital headed the Kansas City Chiefs. But they've been busy this offseason retooling their offense. Is it possible that Kansas City's better on offense without Cheetah? I got to tell you, though, nothing beats Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the planet. Have you tried Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate, like most Built Bars are. But here's the great thing about Built Bar you don't compromise any nutrition by getting that great candy bar. Taste. Yeah, most built bars, they've got 130 calories, four grams of sugar, that's it, four net carbs, that's all, and 17 grams of muscle packing protein. You get what you need. Compare that to a candy bar, it's like 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, dozens of net carbs, stuff you don't want to put into your body. Check out all these flavors available mint, brownie, coconut, coconut, almond, and a few this month. 
that are incredible, limited flavors, white chocolate cookies and cream. Right now, go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's using the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Bo Brock hanging out with you on a Monday episode of the Locked On Podcast. Thanks for checking out the Locked On NFL Podcast on YouTube. Hit subscribe for great daily content throughout the offseason. And one of the busiest teams this offseason has been the Kansas City Chiefs. Team that went down in the AFC Championship game to the Cincinnati Bengals. And after last year's Super, or the previous season's Super Bowl loss, they weren't going to go back with the same team. Big changes happened this offseason. Chris Clark from Lockdown Chiefs here to talk about it. And Chris, the, or the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, are they a team better today than they were when they finished the 2021 campaign? I think that's hard to argue right now. I do think that they can be better than they were at the end of 2021, but I think that'd be a very hard argument to make that they're better right now than they were at the end of 2021. So I will say, I I do think it's interesting. Most of the guys that they lost on their defense have not been signed yet, other than like Shavarius Ward and I guess Daniel Sorensen just signed a deal uh, and Jaron Reed signed. But most of the rest of the guys that they had on their defense that were playing significant snaps haven't been signed elsewhere. That says a lot. Yeah, it certainly does. But looking at uh, the replacements that they're bringing in for Tariq Hill, obviously goes to Miami for a ton of picks. And Andy Reid and and Veach, they're going to figure out what they're going to do with those picks going forward, 29 and 30. But when you look at the guys in place, the signing of Juju Smith-Schuster and uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, how do they fit into this offense? Yeah, I think Juju is going to be a guy that is going to really thrive with Patrick Mahomes throwing throwing him the ball. If you look at the guy that's been throwing him to to in the past couple of years, it's been Big Ben, and Big Ben has not been the same quarterback he was uh, three or four years ago. So I think Juju is going to be a guy that can step in and be productive in this offense. And I think that they're going to have to switch really what they're doing offensively because they're not going to have Tyree Kill anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this offense is going to look different than what it has in the past. But I also think they kind of got to a point where they got too predictable at times in the past couple of seasons, and that really slowed them down. With those defensive players um, you know, exiting, and, and certainly mm-hmm. they've done a good job in replacing some of those guys, but do you envision them utilizing a lot of their draft capital on, on rebuilding this defense? I would have to think so. You know, I think that they have to look at the defensive, you know, defensive edge. They have to look at defensive line. Those are the two positions I think they really need to look at in this draft. Uh, they still need a, another coverage linebacker. They're going to need corners. I do think that they're going to sign either, uh, you know, a veteran corner, maybe trade for a corner before the draft mm-hmm. happens. So I do think that that will get addressed a little bit, but they're still going to need a safety, probably maybe need another corner. So I think there's a lot of adding that they have to do on the defensive side of that ball. How much pressure does it getting back to the offense? How much pressure does the Ronald Jones signing put on Clyde Edwards Hilaire to kind of really perform in his third season? I'm not sure it puts that much pressure on him. I think it could put a little bit of pressure on him, but mm-hmm. the question is is whether or not Ronald Jones is going to be somebody that can step in and be effective in this offense. He can run the ball, we know that, but he doesn't catch the ball out of the backfield very well, and he's not a great pass blocker. With as much as the Chiefs run, it's going to be – or sorry, with as much as the Chiefs pass, he's going to have a hard time seeing the field if he's not able to uh, catch the ball very well or pass block very well. 
Chris Clark from Locked On Chiefs. I highly recommend you checking out Locked On Chiefs. It's a team that's loaded with uh, with draft capital this offseason, and we're a month away from the NFL draft as of today. Uh, one question I've been very curious about because Patrick Mahomes is a guy who hit the scene really in 2018 and lit the world on fire and really hasn't faced too much criticism, at least outside of Kansas City. Obviously, sure you guys watch him a lot closer, but... Tom Brady, for years, he had to adapt. He evolved. He had different cast of characters. And for the first time, really, in his career, Patrick Mahomes is starting to see that happen to his own team, especially happens in a cap league all the time. You have to. How do you? Where do you see Patrick Mahomes needing to change his game to maybe adjust to life after you know being the big three with him and Tyreek and, uh, and Travis Kelsey? You know, I think one of the key things that you look at with this Chiefs team over the past couple of years, Patrick Mahomes has been throwing something like 60% of his passes to guys that had separation of a yard or more. Uh, I don't think that's going to continue to be the case in Kansas mm-hmm. City. I think he's going to have to do some more tight window throws, and I think he has the ability to do that. I just think it, the offense is going to change, and it's going to have to evolve with the new players that they're going to add. I still think they're going to add another wide receiver in the draft. I do think that that's uh, something that they'll be looking at, and maybe they're looking at adding a lot of speed at that position. I'm not exactly sure uh, You know, if that's the direction they'll go, if they're going to go with a guy that has more size, kind of like what they've been getting in Juju Smith-Schuster and Mar- Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Uh, it looks like the wide receiver position could be changing in Kansas City. Andy Reid had some success finding those speedy wide receivers in the draft. Not only did he get Tyreek Hill in the fifth round, right? And then he also had Deshaun Jackson during his Philly days. Andy Reid has a pretty solid resume of trading guys at the right time. We'll see if he was right again, of course. Listen to Lockdown Chiefs on a daily basis. Follow Chris Chris Clark on Twitter, at ChrisClarkNFL. Chris, always great to catch up with you, my man. Great catching up with you, bro. Deshaun Watson was officially introduced as the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns, how his first appearance went, and a team that was a surprise addition to the Watson sweepstakes, the Atlanta Falcons. Are they officially in rebuild mode? I wish I could rebuild my March Madness NCAA bracket that is in absolute shambles, but here's the great thing. If your bracket's busted, you can still make every tournament game even more interesting with Bet Online, college basketball, has determined the top teams for the Final Four and will determine this year's national championship this coming week. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info from the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your latest sports developments, including podcasts, reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline has it covered. It's your continued source for all your sporting wagering information needs, including live betting, your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your cell to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. It's the Lockdown NFL Podcast. Bo Brock hanging out with you. It's been a fascinating offseason, as was last offseason. A little quiet. Aaron Freeman, host of Lockdown Falcons, been absolutely a wild one for the for the Atlanta Falcons. And Aaron, if you could describe, define this team going from 2021 to 2022, the Atlanta Falcons, how would you describe them? 
discombobulated, zigzaggy. <laughs> uh, it just seems like they, 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 I think I use the term ping pong back and forth in terms of what their plan is. Yeah. It, the offseason kicked off. It seemed like everybody was on the same page. Okay, they're going to keep Matt Ryan for another year, potentially trade him next year, maybe draft a quarterback this year to sort of groom for a year or whatever the case may be. And it's just sort of a slow rebuild. The Falcons uh, all year long since Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot were hired a year ago have been preaching the idea of sort of borrowing that Kansas City Chiefs model of build up the team first, then go get your quarterback. And then all of a sudden Deshaun Watson became available and they said, screw that, throw that plan out the window. Let's go all in on Deshaun Watson. And it seemed like the Falcons were very close to getting him. And then that did not happen. That fell through the Browns swooped in with that godfather offer, something that they could not refuse. And he wound up in Cleveland and the Falcons in that process of going after Deshaun Watson, somewhat alienated their franchise quarterback 14 years and then had to quote unquote do right by him by sending him to a place uh, that he wanted to go. And by that point in time in the offseason, the trade market was pretty much done. Uh, and so it was basically Indianapolis or bus and they kind of got, you know, uh, lowballed on an offer by the Colts. I, I feel like, you know, uh, Chris Ballard is not welcome in the city uh, of Atlanta because <laughs> of how low that offer was. But uh, yeah, they wound up sending Matt Ryan to Indianapolis, did not get much of a return on that. And now they're sort of in this predicament where they're going to have to go out and get their quarterback and may not necessarily have the team in place that they initially and originally were planning on having. So it's been sort of ping-ponging back and forth with different plans. I, I feel like now we're on plan C for the Falcons mm. offseason in terms of how they're going to build it, but we'll, hopefully this one will work out for them long term. I was definitely impressed by Arthur Smith in his first season at the helm of the Falcons, and, and I thought they were way more competitive than anybody anticipated uh, at 7-10. and 10, Really a, a bang-up job from the first-year head coach coming over from Tennessee – um, is it kind of throw people for the loop because you would think just the natural progression of things that they would try to improve off of that, but could this be the actual teardown with Ryan exiting and, you know, they bring in a stopgap bridge quarterback, whatever you want to call it, uh, Marcus Mariota coming over. Um, where is this team? So are, are we going to slap? Can we, is it fair to say the rebuild um, tag on them? Yeah, I think you can look at it from, you know, a positive lens because instead of sort of getting complacent and saying, Hey, we're seven and 10, you know, we're just a, a couple more wins. Uh, we can get into the postseason, And so we just may have to just tweak a couple of things. You know, a lot of those wins came against some really bad teams in the league last year. And they, in most of the games where they were able to win, they were against the weaker opponents. I think five of their seven wins came against teams picking in the top 10 in this year's draft. And in a lot of those games against playoff caliber teams like Dallas, like New England, they got blown out in those games. And so I think the rebuild, uh, as as you can call it, um, is a good long-term strategy, but it may not necessarily help them in the short term where it feels like against a much tougher schedule this year. They're facing the AFC North. They got the Chargers on the schedule. We, we know how much they've improved. They got the mm -hmm. NFC North uh, within um, you know, the NFC or no, I'm sorry, the NFC West within the NFC. Um, and Tom Brady, of course, is coming back. So, you know, that's two more losses there. So it feels like they may have to take a step back, but potentially they could take several steps forward uh, in the long term. 
Aaron Freeman, Locked on Falcons. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at FalcFans. Now, Matt Ryan, you mentioned uh, the fallout there, and now he's a member of the Indianapolis Colts. And sure, the return wasn't what a lot of people expected for all the great things that Ryan was able to accomplish in the ATL during his career. Uh, But as far as him exiting, does that kind of help this franchise, this fan base, uh, get over that whole Deshaun Watson saga. I mean, is, is was he the only guy that was going to be left that was going to be truly hurt by their uh, attempt at acquiring Deshaun Watson this offseason? Well, I think the good thing is that Matt Ryan's going to a place that's going to potentially get him into the postseason in Indianapolis and get him another chance at winning a Super Bowl before his career is done, which the Falcons weren't really anywhere close to at this point in time. Um, I think when it comes to sort of how the Matt Ryan era ended. It just kind of, the whole Deshaun Watson thing just kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth. You just kind of expected him to to go out a, a little differently, a little bit more with his head held, his head held high rather than sort of being sort of the, um, you know, I, I kind of termed it as like you, you stepped out on your girlfriend, your mm-hmm. long-term girlfriend and, and you got caught cheating and then you had to sort of buy her an expensive gift in order to make up for it. Yeah. Um, and then she winds up leaving you anyway. So yeah. it's just like it, there's there's no sort of win for the Falcons at this point in time, I, I think is how I term it. Right. I mean, you you do your best to uh, to kind of apologize. But at the end of the day, you messed up so bad that she's gone. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Matt Ryan is in a pretty good situation there with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, we're looking at the eighth overall pick for this for this Falcons team. They brought back uh, Garrell Patterson. Patterson. They they added the cornerback position with a vet. It was a Casey Hayward came over on a deal, correct? Um, yes. And Marcus Mariota, bridge quarterback, eighth overall. What what do you envision the Falcons doing with that pick? Could it could they still maybe look at the edge rush position? I mean, there hasn't been a dynamic player at that position for a long time in Atlanta. Yeah, we're going to probably get a lot of hype uh, about the Falcons potentially looking at a quarterback at that position. Mm-hmm. I know people want one of these quarterbacks to get picked high or a lot of these quarterbacks to get picked yeah. high. And I, I still seem to be very skeptical on that front, although Malik Willis is, you know, local. So maybe the Falcons are enticed similar to what they were with Deshaun Watson, getting someone that could maybe uh, put butts in the seats there. But I think edge rush is is probably – the, the position that's probably the safest bet at this point in time is to stack class, um, whether it's Trayvon Walker from Georgia, Kayvon Thibodeau, if he uh, slides to them, even a Jermaine Johnson of Florida State. I think the Falcons, one of those three guys should definitely be on the board at pick eight. And the Falcons pass rush has just been abysmal these last couple of years. They really mm-hmm. need to invest in that unit. Give Grady Jarrett some help. Uh, they're just going to waste Grady Jarrett's prime where he's just getting triple teamed and double teamed. You know, he's getting the Aaron Donald treatment and and, and not even putting up Aaron Donald production. <laughs> with zero help. You know, get him a Leonard Floyd, get him a Von Miller type of player to help him out. And, and if the Falcons can do that at that eighth overall selection, I think that makes the most sense for them moving forward. Very fascinating team to follow as we are in the month draft or a month away of draft of the actual draft, I should say. It's a stumble over my words here. Aaron Freeman and Lockdown Falcons is a must listen all the way up until the NFL draft on April 28th. Of course, follow him on Twitter at FalcFans. Aaron, thanks so much as always. Always appreciate you having me, Bo. Deshaun Watson was introduced as the new quarterback of the Cleveland Browns on Friday while being accused of sexual misconduct by 22 different women in Texas. Watson, during his introductory presser, denied those allegations. I never assaulted, I never disrespected, and I never harassed any woman in my life. I wasn't raised that way.
Browns GM Andrew Berry says he understands people are upset with the signing. He says the team thoroughly vetted his cases, but lawyers advised against speaking directly to the women involved in the Texas lawsuits. He says they're comfortable signing him to the massive five-year, $230 million contract where every single dollar is guaranteed. More of the quarterback's legal issues being cleared up at Southwest Texas Grand Indict. Watson, according to District Attorney Tom Selleck, this comes after a grand jury in Harris County declined to indict Watson on criminal charges earlier this month after being sued by over 20 massage therapists accusing him of sexual misconduct and assault during his time with the Texans. That's going to do it for me, Bo Brock, and... Uh... Yeah, that's going to wrap things up uh, as far as my tenure here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's been a pleasure hosting on a daily basis the Lockdown Cardinals podcast and talking with each and every one of you every Monday. You're in good hands here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Of course, Monday through Friday, experts from around the league, including Ross Jackson and Luke Braun, tomorrow. Have a great rest of your week. Enjoy your new Monday host next week. And thanks for making the Lockdown NFL Podcast your first listen every day. Now. Make your second listen, the Locked On NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy, former NFL cornerback, you heard him today. Eric Crocker bringing the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and the NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you find and get your podcasts one month away from the NFL Draft.